0: The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Okay, so uh, uh, let us continue on the uh, idea of the Buddhist path uh, and the kind of practice that uh, leads us in the direction of the Third Noble Truth, the ending of suffering here. So, uh, first of all, there's a small little sutta uh, that I always like to point out. This is found on the bottom of page 12, uh, where we are now. Uh, and uh, this is uh, AN2.12, uh, uh, Numerical Discourses, uh, uh, second chapter to the 12th sutta. And uh, this little sutta may not seem all that interesting, but actually it is, uh, uh, it's sort of just a uh, Reinforces some of the views of how the path is to be practiced, which um, it makes it quite interesting actually. Here, yeah. so let me just read it out, and I'll just talk about it in a second. Here, yeah. there are mendicants. These two powers, uh, bala, balas. Uh, what two? The power of reflection uh, and the power of development. Uh, and what mendicants is the power of reflection? Uh, It's when someone reflects bad conduct by body, speech and mind has, have, have, has, bad conduct, okay, whatever, Uh, or mind has a painful result in both this life and the next. Uh, Reflecting like this, they give up bad conduct by body, speech and mind and develop good conduct by body, by way of body, speech and mind, keeping themselves pure. This is called the power of, of reflection. And what mendicants is the power of development. It's when a mendicant develops the awakening factor of mindfulness, the awakening factor of investigation of qualities, the awakening factor of energy, the awakening factor of rapture, pity, the awakening factor of tranquility, the awakening factor of immersion, of samadhi, and the awakening factor of equanimity or evenness of mind uh, which rely on seclusion fading away and cessation and ripen as letting go Uh, this is called the power of uh, development Uh, these are the two powers Uh, so uh, the uh, the point of this uh, little sutta is that um, very often in buddhist circles the idea is that you overcome Unwholesome qualities by meditation practice, yeah, and then you sit down and you do metta, and then you overcome ill will or whatever. And uh, there is of course some truth to that, but uh, uh, you can see here the med- the principle here is that meditation, the second power, the power of development. This is the bhavana bala. Bhavana is often a synonym for meditation, yeah, and uh, it can mean more than that, but v- very often that's what it means uh, or refers to. Bhavana is like development, yeah, to make something come into existence. Uh, and the power of development is all about, that's what meditation practice is about here. Huh? You develop the mind in meditation. You uh, make these qualities appear in the mind. Uh, yeah, That is what meditation is about. Meditation is not here specifically said to be used to overcome unwholesome qualities. In fact, uh, the way to over Overcome unwholesome qualities is the first of these two powers, uh, the power of reflection, uh, Patisankana Bala. So if you want to overcome, uh, and here specifically it talks about the three kinds of bad conduct yeah, and developing the good conduct, body, speech and mind. So to overcome this, you don't actually use meditation. Uh, what you use is reflection instead uh, so it is how we think about the world that really matters uh, for overcoming these unwholesome qualities uh, yeah you have to in other words you have to understand that uh, these things are problematic and you have to reflect in such a way that you actually overcome these things uh, and then when they are largely overcome they have largely subsided then meditation becomes possible uh, yeah uh, you, you can meditate when there are defilements as well but it's not really going to be the kind of meditation that the buddha is talking about Uh, you can still use it to relax or whatever uh, but it's not going to be the full meditation of uh, anapanasati and all of that that actually is talked about in the sutras so uh, the 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 purpose of meditation is really to kind of unify the mind bring up the wholesome qualities Uh, yes there will be some refined unwholesome qualities left and meditation is also for abandoning those refined unwholesome qualities. Uh, but the main aspect of unwholesomeness is overcome by reflecting in the right way. Yeah. And this is uh, very interesting. Yeah and to me anyway, it was very interesting when I started to realize this. I started to read other suttas like the uh, Dvaeda Vitaka Sutta, Two Kinds of Thought. Uh, but the Buddha, again, this is another of these autobiographical suttas, where the Buddha talks about his own practice uh, before his awakening. Uh, and what he says in there is that the way he overcome, uh, overcame unwholesome thoughts uh, is by reflecting in the right way. Uh, he reflected that this is, uh, leads to suffering uh, for myself and others. Uh, it leads away from Nibbana, it destroys wisdom. Uh, all of these things. Uh, and through that sort of reflection, uh, that is how he overcame these unwholesome qualities of the mind. Uh. So uh, it's, it's fascinating. And the, the more you look at the suit as, the more you realize that actually that is the right way of overcoming these things. Uh. And the sense restraint that we have looked at before is part of that. Yeah? Sense restraint uh, is uh, uh, often you think about restraint, you think about it as some kind of willpower or force that you exert but really the ideal way of practicing sense restraint is to use your power of reflection and contemplation in other words using wisdom yeah using wisdom power is a kind of ajahn Brahma's expression using that wisdom power to overcome these things uh, rather than using willpower uh, So, that is the um, place to go. So, neither willpower is all that useful, uh, nor is meditation useful. It is reflection that is the main way of overcoming defilement. So, if you sit down and you feel that your mind is a bit in turmoil, or it is kind of the wrong kind of thoughts going on, you're not really ready, you know, if you're upset about something or whatever it is, uh, don't just sit down and try to watch the breath because it's not really the right approach. uh, either you end up suppressing things or you you know things are not going to work out at all uh, and it's better then to kind of just walk around a little bit and try to overcome that uh, uh, negative mindset before you sit down by reflecting wisely or just relaxing or whatever it is that it takes uh, to overcome that uh, and uh, it's a, this is very very useful to remember because what it means is that you're really taking the practice into daily life in a big way. Yeah, How you react to things in daily life at work, at home, with just acquaintances or whatever it is. Uh, all of this is a very important aspect of the Buddhist path. And it matters enormously for whether you're going to have success in meditation later on or not. Uh. So um, why? So So... Yeah, so this is very important, but so now what I want to talk a little bit about is just uh, how then to use this reflection, why these reflections work. And the first thing maybe to note again is this difference between reflecting wisely and using willpower here. And why is is there this difference and why does it matter that we actually reflect rather than use willpower here? and uh, it's really quite simple our normal default mode is often to use willpower yeah you have a thought that you don't like you know or crush it you know get rid of it i want to see this particular thought Uh, we have a kind of aversion to uh, negative thoughts and and that's in one sense that's good because you're leaning in the right direction but uh, uh, remember that uh, the the suppression of things uh, using willpower to hold them down uh, has a lot of uh, Weaknesses to it, and one of the weaknesses is that uh, it doesn't really overcome the negative state. If you suppress something, it's kind of like holding it down, yeah. But it's kind of still under the surface, waiting to come back out again at any time. Uh, it's a bit like having a boiling kettle, and then you hold you you kind of hold down the lid on this kettle while it's boiling, yeah. This pot, you hold it down at the lid, uh, but of course because it's boiling, it's kind of ready to e- erupt at any moment as soon as you let go of the pressure. Yeah? And it's a bit like that. If you are upset about something, use willpower. It's all very most a lot of the time it will be coming back out again later on. So it doesn't really deal with the problem properly using willpower. This is the first disadvantage. The other disadvantage is that it drains your energy. Yeah, using willpower you, you after a while you just get tired. And when you get tired and you kind of give up, then bang, it tends to come back again as well. So this is the problem with willpower. Uh, But if you use wisdom power, uh, if you use your reflection to understand that this is silly to uh, to think in this way, uh, so it gives rise to ill will or whatever, uh, then what you do is you can undermine the very root, uh, the very uh, foundation of that unwholesome thought. uh, And when you undermine the very foundation for it, uh, it's gone like that. This is the power of using wisdom. Huh? Yeah, so you, uh, you know, you get a bit irritated by someone not doing the right thing, huh? and then you remember actually these people are really good people. Huh? Yeah, they come here to the BSV because they, you know, all w- everyone who comes here is a good person almost by definition because otherwise you wouldn't be interested in spiritual practice. Huh? And then when you remember that, you think how oh, how silly it is to allow yourself to get irritated by small little things. Everyone. Every every person in the universe has the potential to be irritating. Yeah, I'm sure the Buddha also irritated people. Yeah, that's just the way. it is. people were certainly angry with the Buddha. You see that in the suttas. Uh, of course, the Buddha didn't really kind of you know he was pretty obviously very cool about it. Uh, but uh, uh, still, that's the the problem. Isn't often not in the person, but often in our perception. So you give them that benefit of the doubt. You look at the big picture, and then you overcome that, uh, and then you. Energy isn't drained, yeah, because you're just turning your perception in a different direction. It's a very simple thing to do. Your energy isn't drained, and then the thought is completely abolished; it's gone, yeah, and it is no problem anymore. This is why this using wisdom is far more powerful than suppression of things. And uh, uh, the the downside of using wisdom is that sometimes you have to you know you have to reflect for a while you have to kind of make a you have to uh, understand how it works and that takes a bit of effort just to get the reflection right that's the downside if you like it takes a bit more work initially but once you have it then it's uh you know uh, you are really you have a very powerful tool to use uh, and it's these tools i want to look at now how to use these tools in such a way as to overcome these things uh, and uh, the most problematic of all the defilements is ill will uh, yeah this is a really the big one uh, and uh, i would really uh, recommend you to deal with that most of all uh, uh, and even if you don't have all that much ill will then it's still, it still you can be still be useful to overcome even a little bit more because it is very problematic uh, and uh, so this is what i'm going to uh, look at next uh, and the Buddha says that ill will is the defilement that is most to blame apart from delusion uh, uh, but it's relatively easy to overcome ill will uh, yeah so it is something everyone can do if you just apply yourself uh. and then later on I'm going to have a little bit of look at also sensual uh, pl- uh, desires as well how to think about that uh. but first of all look at ill will because it is the kind of the the most important one to to deal with uh. So this is this uh, next sutta called the Removing of Resentment. So resentment is just another word for you know for ill will or negativity or whatever. And uh, so this is this one here, and this is uh, again one of the suttas that I read out on every retreat because it is so fundamental to uh, really the spiritual path. So this is Venerable Sariputta speaking here, and uh, this is called the Ag. Gata Pativinaya Sutta in Pali, and it's quite a quite a well-known Sutta in uh, in uh, in general. So this is how it goes. There, the Venerable Sariputta addressed the bhikkhus, friends, friends, bhikkhus. Friend, those bhikkhus replied, and the Venerable Sariputta said this. Friends, there are these five ways of removing resentment uh, by which a bhikkhu, a monk, should entirely remove resentment when it has arisen towards anyone. Uh, What five? Here, a a person's bodily behavior is impure, but his verbal behavior is pure. One should remove resentment towards such a person. Uh, A person's Mm -hmm. verbal behavior is impure, but his bodily behavior is pure one should also remove resentment towards such a person. A person's bodily behavior and verbal behavior are impure, but from time to time he gains an opening of the mind, placidity of mind. One should also remove resentment towards such a person. A person's bodily behavior and verbal behavior are impure, and he does not gain an opening of the mind, placidity of mind, from time to time. One should also remove resentment towards such a person a person's bodily behavior and verbal behaviour are pure, and from time to time he does gain an opening of the mind placidity of the mind one should also remove resentment towards such a person so uh, here you have five kinds of people yeah, and uh, you should remove any kind of ill-will you have towards all these five uh, kinds of persons uh, and uh, these five kinds they include everyone uh, yeah so all people are included in those categories uh, uh, if you look at them you will see that it goes from the person who doesn't have any good qualities uh, to the person who has full of good qualities yeah they kind of the whole spectrum of people is included here it's divided into five just for uh, the way to approach them is slightly different depending on what kind of qualities you have. That's why you have these five things. Uh. So that is the uh, uh, the summary of this sutta. Huh? This is usually how often how the suttas are presented. You have a summary first uh, and then you have the exposition afterwards. Uh. So let's just get into the uh, exposition straight away. So each one of these five now, you we'll, we'll get it in greater detail huh? So the first one, how, friends, should resentment be removed towards a person whose bodily behavior is impure but whose verbal behavior is pure? Suppose a rag-robed bhikkhu, a monk, sees a rag by the roadside. He would press it down with his left foot, spread it out with his right foot, tear off an intact section and take it away with him. So too, when a person's bodily behavior is impure, but his verbal behavior is pure, on that occasion, one should not attend to the impurity of his bodily behavior, but should instead attend to the purity of his verbal behavior. In this way, resentment towards that person should be removed. Yeah, so, uh, very simple. And the idea here is that you people are Complex, yeah, people have many kinds of qualities uh, and those qualities vary over time. Sometimes you have good qualities, sometimes you have bad qualities. Uh, nothing of this is kind of constant in any way. Uh, so there's always going to be a variety of qualities. So when, uh, uh, if you are able to see the good qualities in someone else, uh, then if ever any negativity comes up, uh, you shift your focus to those good qualities instead. Uh, yeah. Very simple, very kind of basic idea. But uh, why is this difficult? And the reason why it is difficult often uh, is it because we haven't made enough of that reflection on those good qualities. Uh. Yeah, that is the reason why it is hard. We, it's very easy to think the negative things and not not kind of uh, you know worry too much about the positive qualities. Uh, very easy to kind of lean in that direction, uh, and often that's what we talk about. Uh, it's not so common that we talk about the good qualities in other people, but it's quite common that we people complain about others yeah, and talk, think about the negative things. Uh. So here you need to go against the stream uh, and you need to remind yourself of all the good qualities. Uh. And as you do that, as you build up this vision inside of yourself of the good qualities in another person, uh, then this becomes a very powerful technique. Yeah. So very often you will find that there are certain people in your life where you have difficulties uh, or uh, yeah, and if there is a particular person you're having difficulties with, uh, that is where you have to put in this kind of work. Uh, yeah, so um, you know, it can be anyone—family members or work colleagues or whatever it is. Uh, that particular person. Well, actually, you, when you think about, it, actually, they have lots of good qualities. Yeah, why am I making so much out of these little negative ones? Uh? And then you build up that perception inside of you. Uh, you remind yourself of those good qualities. You rejoice in the fact that people have good qualities. Uh, it is not a given that we should have good qualities in this world. Uh, yeah, the world often drags people down. It makes life can often be very hard and difficult for people. It is often a miracle that people have any good qualities. So you you know, so yay, they have good qualities. Wow, how marvelous that is despite all the uh, difficulties and problems. Uh. And when you think like that, you build up this perception inside of you and as you build it up, uh, you're building up this ability to counteract negative qualities in the future. Uh. So in the future, when you still occasionally see the negative quality and you see yourself maybe leaning towards a bit of ill will, you quickly bring that perception that you have built up. You bring it out. uh, Yeah, the good qualities, yay, you look at that. uh, And straight away, that negative quality, if it is still only weak, it will kind of dissipate just like... Uh, dew before the sun, the morning dew before the sun just evaporates. Bang! It's gone. Uh, and that negative feeling that you have is actually also gone as a consequence. Uh, yeah, This is kind of the idea, but you have to catch it fairly early on. Uh, once a negative quality establishes itself in your mind, uh, then you will tend to... Um, It will tend to last for a certain time. And sometimes if it is really well established, uh, you're just going to have to wait for it to disappear. It's very hard to overcome once it's established. Uh, You can try, and it's still good to try, but often you end up getting frustrated. Uh, But if you catch it fairly early on, uh, that is when this is very powerful. Uh, And uh, this technique is uh, talked about also in other suttas, like the... Uh, Vitaka Santana Sutta, this is Majimanika number 20. It's a very nice sutta on how to overcome uh, uh, unwholesome thoughts. Uh, yeah, and it starts out with this sort of technique uh, where you when an unwholesome quality arises, uh, you look at another aspect of that person, uh, where the wholesome aspect, and then it is evaporates. And then the according to that sutta, and then afterwards you go straight into samadhi afterwards. Yeah. So that's kind of the idea. Get rid of the unwholesome thought by using a wholesome thought, and then you get rid of the wholesome thoughts, and then into samadhi as a consequence. Uh, that's the idea behind this. It's all about practicing for deep meditation. Uh, so this is how this, uh, how this works. Uh, and uh, uh, So w- let's have a look at the simile, because the similes are usually very evocative. I, I love some of the similes of the Buddha. They're really, really powerful. and So here we have the rag-robed bhikkhu, have you ever seen a rag-robed bhikkhu? Uh, if you had seen me when I was a young monk uh, about 20 years ago, uh, I m- you remember the, the robe I had when I was there? <laughs> I had a robe that w- had so many uh, patches on it, there was nothing left of the original robe at all. It was just all patches eventually. Uh, so at, at that time, I was a rag-robed bhikkhu. Uh. These days, I have a kind of... A, I, do, I don't even have a single patch on this robe. It's almost embarrassing. It's just too, too new. should at least have a few patches. It uh, kind of... Uh, it's nice to have patches actually in here. but i uh, haven't got any on this one i can't really uh, show off and but uh, <laughs> so uh, the rag roll bikku yeah in, at that time it was much more common in ancient india cloth cloth was very expensive it was a kind of uh you know it, it took a lot of hard work to make cloth you had to weave it. Yeah, it, it, it. These days you have these factories that kind of spit the cloth out really fast, but in those days it was a lot of hard work to actually make cloth. So it was, re- it was a fairly expensive item. And for that reason, if you wanted to be really frugal, you had rag robes. And it doesn't make any difference whether it's rag robes or ordinary cloth. It does the job yeah. that, that the robe is supposed to do, cover the body, keep you warm, and that's kind of the idea. So rag robe because. Um, and probably rag row as well, huh? I don't know, not, don't really talk about rag row but presumably they had rag ro as well. Huh? And so you see a rag by the roadside, yeah, you're always looking out for rags to kind of have something to add uh, to your robe, huh? and uh, so you look out for rags. Yay, a rag on the roadside, I feel really happy. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much to make you happy if you are a rag road bikku so then you see the rag and you press it down with your left foot and you spread it out with your right foot. yeah. And the idea, of course, is that you want to see which part of that rag is suitable. Yeah? Not Some of the parts will not be suitable because they're too rotten or too dirty or whatever. So you get a good overview of this rag. And that's a bit like people. yeah. You kind of look at this person in your mind's eye uh, and you look at the various aspects. Okay, they have these bad qualities. Yeah, they have these good qualities. Uh, so you look at the kind of various aspects and you get a good overview of that person, the various uh, things. And then what do you do? You tear off the intact section, the section which isn't rotten or too dirty or too bad. You tear it off. yeah, And then you take it away with you. And it's exactly the same idea, and you kind of take it away with you, and the rest you chuck it out, you chuck it out because it's rubbish, and the same way with the qualities of the people around you, you look at all those qualities, you put all the bad ones over here, you put all the good ones over there, you tear off the bad ones, yeah, and you chuck them out. you throw them out. Why? Because bad qualities are like rubbish they are that only all they do is pollute your mind and make your mind into negative and kind of full of ill-will. So it's rubbish. Huh? And then you take the good qualities of that person, huh? yeah, you take it away with you. You take it into your heart. Huh? You take it into your mind. And you allow yourself to remember those good qualities in the future. Huh? You chuck out the rubbish and keep the good parts. Huh? Yeah, Ajahn Brahm has a nice simile where he says you write down all the qualities on toilet paper. Yeah, and then the bad ones you you chuck them in the toilet and you flush it down afterwards. Uh, It's like just to make a powerful statement that it is rubbish. uh, Yeah, it is something that is worth getting getting rid of. So uh, this is the idea behind this, and then you carry those good qualities with you, ready to be taken out again when you need them, when your mind becomes negative or you. Not, I- not even when it's negative, but when you see the potential for negativity to arise. Before anything arises, uh, you use this counter-perception, and you, uh, uh, you remove the, neg- the potential for negativity. Yeah? Sometimes you can see that uh, the way you are looking at somebody, it will give rise to negativity if I'm not careful. Uh, you catch it very early uh, by using the opposite instead. Uh, this is how you do this. Uh. It's not hard, yeah. it is not t- difficult part of this, uh, is that you have to apply the mind in such a way that you actually remember these good qualities. Yeah? You have to remember them again and again, and you really have to try quite hard to rejoice in the fact that other people have good qualities. Uh, and it's not that hard, especially here at the BSV, uh, because here people come with good intentions. Uh, Guaranteed that people at the BSV are going to irritate you, because this is just the human realm, we all irritate each other to some extent, that's guaranteed. Uh, But that's not really the issue. The issue is all the underlying good qualities that are there. Uh, Everyone here would like to lead a good life. Uh, Everyone here has good intentions. Uh, Everyone, even though they're not perfect, even though they may be, you know, at least they want to go somewhere. Uh, And that is something to really rejoice in, people who actually have that good intention. Uh, What a wonderful thing that is that people want to make themselves better and also they want to make the world around them a better place Uh, isn't that remarkable and it's really worth celebrating uh, and being happy about uh. so this is what you find in a place like any spiritual place that's what you find those kind of people are what is present uh, and then you are on the right track uh, and you're kind of moving uh, in the right direction uh. now i did mention before that sometimes people say but is this being realistic how can we just look at the good qualities we know people have bad qualities too yeah are we really being realistic if we only look at the good qualities and it's an interesting point because uh, it is true people are complex yeah so why shouldn't we also see the negative qualities and uh, the point is that we don't know what people really are like Yeah? One person sees a person's bad qualities, another one sees them. The good quality is one person is their enemy, another one is their friend. What is a person actually like? And we're just guessing, really. We don't really know what kind of the underlying qualities are. It's very hard to really be clear about these things. So there is no reality. There isn't anything that we can really hold on to with any degree of certainty. And because there is no reality, we shouldn't ask the question, what is the real way? What is the real nature of that person? Because there is no real nature. This is what anatta is all about Uh, instead uh, we should ask what is the useful perception to look useful way to look at that person so that uh, we can grow in good qualities Uh, that is what matters Uh, there is no real real there is no reality there so forget about seeing things as they actually are in this particular framework instead uh, ask yourself what is useful Uh, that is what matters and this is why the idea of meta is always right because it's always useful Uh, yeah you know, at the back of your mind, that you know, they, they, you know, even though they are a good person, everyone makes mistakes. Uh, of course, one of the points is we shouldn't be naive. We shouldn't be kind of stupid and think uh, just because we have meta towards them, we can kind of, you know, we we, we don't we're not careful about how we live. We're still careful, uh, yeah, because you, we know that everyone has the potential to do something wrong. There's always the possibility for things to go wrong. So we know that so we're not silly but at the same time we focus on the good qualities in people. Uh, it's a nice, it's a fine balance, uh, but it is something that uh, 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 can be done with the, right in the, with the right attitude, the right frame of mind. Uh, so this is what this is about, and this is all about metta. This is how you develop loving-kindness, yeah? this is how you develop friendliness. Uh, Metta, the word metta is derived from the word mitra or mitta, like kalyana, mitta, yeah, it's the same word, it's just a a slightly developed form of that word, and metta means friend, and for this reason, metta can be translated as friendliness, and this is the basic a way of developing metta. The basic way is not to sit down and say may all beings be happy because that's actually quite advanced form of metta already. Uh. The basic way is to learn these kind of perceptions in ordinary life. Uh. That is where the real, a lot of the real practice is. Uh. And of course also treating people with metta by speech and by bodily actions. Yeah. All of that comes together. Uh. So uh, overcoming ill will and developing metta are really just two sides of the same coin. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just a different way of looking at people. If you look for the faults, if you have the patiga nimitta, the, ni- the, the resistance point of view, this is actually how it is described that ill will arises from the suttas, uh, the patiga nimitta rise to ill will. Patiga means resistance. Uh, there's something there that you resist. Nimitta is just a way of looking, yeah, an aspect of that object or whatever. So it's something there that you resist that is painful uh, then that is where ill will can arise. Uh, The opposite is not focusing on that, focusing on something which you don't resist, uh, but something which is beautiful. Metta is really focusing on the good qualities in other people. That's how you get metta to arise. Uh, Maybe we, probably today will be the last uh, meditation, is that right, uh, Adrian? Probably today? Uh, Yeah, guided meditation? Tomorrow? Okay. Uh, Not much tomorrow, maybe, because Okay, so maybe we can do a. Okay, yeah, we'll see what happens. Three. Okay, yeah, yeah, probably. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So then we will do the. Uh, we'll probably do the last guided meditation. So we can we can see how if we can do maybe some meta and see what ha- see if we can make that work. So uh, that is uh, the first one, yeah. To uh, move towards uh, meta in this way here uh, by overcoming ill will here, uh. and uh, yeah. So it, one of the nice things about being, uh, you know, practicing this way is that in the end you don't really have any enemies anymore. Uh. Yeah, this is kind of one of the beautiful ideas about being. Uh, A buddhist practicing in the right way we don't really want to have any enemies uh. and uh, if you practice this in the right way and you see that maybe there's one person who's a bit difficult you neutralize that person straight away by using these kind of techniques so you don't really have any enemies in the world uh. it's a wonderful way to live not to have any enemies uh. of course how other people treat you you can't if other people want to be your enemy well that's their problem but at least you don't we each one of us don't need to have any enemies uh. Uh, in the world. Uh, and it's a wonderful way to live when you when you live like that. Uh, it kind of uh, uh, takes away so much of the uh, uh, pressures and uh, uh, problems in, in life when you when you live in that sort of way. Uh. Let's go on to the next one. Uh. And how friends should resentment be removed towards a person whose verbal behavior is impure but whose bodily behavior is pure? Uh. Suppose there is a pond covered with algae and water plants. A man might arrive afflicted or oppressed by the heat, weary, thirsty, and parched. He would plunge into the pond, sweep away the algae and water plants with his hands, drink from his cupped hands, and then leave. So too, when a person's verbal behavior is impure but his bodily behavior is pure, on that occasion, one should not attend to the impurity of his verbal behavior, but should instead attend to the purity of his bodily behavior. In this way, resentment towards that person should be removed. So, uh, here we just have, s- very s- similar to the previous one, it's just that there are different qualities that are good. Yeah. So, you have to have a bit of flexibility with how you use your perception. So, you look at those, whatever the good qualities are, you look at those uh, Uh, I don't think we need to worry too much about this distinction between bodily and verbal behavior. I think the idea is just that uh, you look at whatever the the good qualities are. here. So here, the main difference is the uh, simile. And uh, so here you have this pond. The pond is like the person. uh, It's like this other person is like a pond. And you're covered with algae and water plants. Well, the algae and the water plants here, they are like a simile for the bad qualities that you see in someone else uh, yeah so you uh, uh, these are the bad qualities that you see and then you arrive and you a man or a person arrives uh, and this person is afflicted and oppressed by the heat Uh, it's like similarly for the uh, anger or ill will. Yeah, you are oppressed by the heat. You are weary because ill will tires you out. Uh, you are thirsty. You're kind of looking for a solution, maybe, to this ill will. You're parched. Yeah, you're dr- kind of dried out. Yeah, from all this ill will you have, uh, and looking for a solution. And to find that solution, this is the way that you you resolve the issue. You plunge into the pond. Uh, you sweep away the algae and the water plants with your hands. Uh, yeah, You sweep away those negative qualities. You don't want to have anything to do with them. Uh, but you use, try to use wisdom rather than willpower. Uh, and then you drink from the water underneath the pure qualities in that person. You drink those qual- qualities up. Uh, yeah, And of course, when you drink them up, then you carry them with you into the future. Uh, and then as you drink from those good qualities, of course, then the heat... And uh, the parchedness, the thirstiness, the weariness and all of that, its it dissipates uh, and all is gone because you t- take on board the good qualities of that person instead. Uh, yeah, so very, again, very nice simile on how to uh, overcome that. Uh, and uh, so, but the general idea is the same as the previous one. Uh, okay, uh, let's go on to the Next one. And how, friends, should resentment be removed towards the person whose bodily behavior and verbal behavior are impure, but who from time to time gains an opening of the mind, placidity of mind? Suppose there is a little water in a puddle. Then a man might arrive afflicted and oppressed by the heat, weary, thirsty, and parched. He would think this little bit of water is in the puddle. If I try to drink it with my cupped hands or a vessel, I will stir it up, disturb it, and make it undrinkable. Uh, let me get down on all fours, suck it up like a cow, and depart. Uh, it's kind of a nicely memorable simile. Uh, <laughs> act like the cow, and then you are in business. Okay. <laughs> he then gets down on all fours, sucks the water up like a cow, and departs. Uh, So too, when a person's bodily behavior and verbal behavior are impure, but from time to time you gain an opening of the mind, placidity of the mind, on that occasion one should not attend to the impurity of his bodily and verbal behavior, but should instead attend to the opening of the mind, the placidity of the mind, he gains from time to time. In this way, resentment towards that person should be removed." so here you have a person who has many bad qualities only a few good ones and those few good ones are called opening of the mind placidity of mind so what does that mean and, and, and what that means is opening of the mind is the opposite of uh, hindrances of the mind yeah the pali word opening is the varana and the Pali word for hindrance is ni varana. Vi varana versus ni varana. These are like opposites. They are antonyms. Uh, yeah, Op- Words with opposite meanings. Uh. And uh, so what this means basically is that here is someone, even though they are a little bit of a scallywag. That's that word scallywag again. Uh, I don't really mean too much ba- bad. Uh, it's kind of, a, again, it's a term of endearment. So even these people, you try to have a kind of see the dear aspects in them. Uh. So, uh yeah, so they have good qualities of mind. Yeah, the mi- the mind becomes placid. Placid means like even. Yeah, it's like a w- unruffled water, water that is completely flat. Yeah, is placid, and the mind is like that. That's what happens when the hindrances are removed. The mind is very, very even and steady. Yeah, it doesn't kind of get kind of jumping around according to the defilements and all of that so this is a person who has a few good inner qualities, even though outwardly they look like a really kind of difficult person yeah verbals is bad and bodily speech is bad and all of that and there are people like that uh, yeah who are a kind of the you look at them and you think jeep is what's going on with these ones actually they still get some good meditation here uh, and uh, because we are so complex as human beings we come from backgrounds that are so Difficult to gauge yeah. That, uh, uh, it is, uh, that these kind of variations in human beings are possible. You may have been a very, very good person in the past uh, and you're still living off that good karma from the past, those good habits. Uh, your mind still gets purity, uh, still gets these uh, vivarana states. Uh, of course, in the long run, you're going to destroy that beauty of mind if you keep on acting badly. Uh, but in the short term, it may actually be possible. Uh. It is also that some people have a more rough kind of outer behavior, yeah, they may not actually mean very much bad with it, it's just that their personality is a bit different, yeah, they're kind of, if you look carefully you will see there's no ill will there, it's just that they are a bit more you know, I don't know expressive or assertive or whatever you want to call it, that's just the nature of some people that they are like that, so there's all kind of things that are possible here uh. but what is interesting about this is the length to which we should go to look for those good qualities in people. Uh, yeah, you should actually really try to see good qualities. Uh, and if someone has like a very profound good quality, like having even a mind which is completely peaceful, that is really worthy of seeing. It's very rare for people to get any kind of stillness in general. Uh, so it is marvelous that people get these kind of qualities. Uh, so uh, you should go to great length. Why should we go to such great length in seeing the good qualities in people? Uh, and the reason is that metta, the idea of being friendly towards other people, is a very useful state to develop. Uh, yeah, The alternative, and we'll see that in the next one, if you can't use metta, well, then you need some other strategy. If someone has all bad qualities, uh, what do we do then? Well, you can't use metta anymore because you can't see the good qualities. That's when you have to use karuna, you have to use compassion instead. Uh, yeah. But what the Buddha is saying here, as far as possible, we should try to use metta and not uh, karuna. We should try to use this friendliness rather than using compassion. Why is that? And uh, the reason is that compassion is actually more difficult to develop. Uh, It is more easy to go astray when you have compassion. Compassion is the idea that you want to help someone overcome suffering. That's the idea of compassion. Yeah, Someone is suffering, you want to kind of help them out of that. Uh, Of course, that's very noble and very beautiful, but it's not it's very easy then to see the suffering in other people at the same time. Uh, yeah? it can be Compassion is very closely related to the idea of seeing suffering in people. Uh, actually, it is based on that. Uh, and unless you get it right uh, and just focus on the feeling of the compassion and kindness, uh, that all that suffering can make you really despondent and depressed even and sad about things. Yeah? And then it has the counter, the opposite effect than what it's supposed to have. Uh, and there are people in this world, I've, you know, you sometimes I've, I've read some of these, um, you read stories about people who who, who go too far with compassion. Uh, some of these practices are done in certain Buddhist circles, like taking on all the burdens in the world, yeah, and, and then have compassion for everyone. And if you take on all the burdens in the world, you know, it gets a bit heavy sometimes. Because <laughs> there are a lot of burdens in the world. Yeah, the, bur- the world is full of these kind of uh, difficulties and things. Uh so then you drag yourself down rather than lift yourself up uh. so for this reason compassion is more difficult to get right uh, whereas metta is never wrong seeing the good qualities in others is always going to have a positive effect on you uh. and i think this is the reason why the buddha lays down this uh, you know we try really try to get the metta right first of all before you go to compassion uh. and you will see that when you Read uh, about the Brahmaviharas viharas in the suttas. Uh, they always come in the same sequence. Uh, yeah, Brahma-viharas always starts with metta is number one. Compassion is always the second one. Uh, then you have the mudita, the kind of sympathetic joy or altruistic joy or whatever. And then you have the upeka, the equanimity is the fourth one. Equanimity is the most difficult one of all. Uh, it's kind of really down the track. But metta is always number one. And when you read the suttas in general, you find that if there is any instructions about the Brahma Viharas, they tend to be about metta. Uh, suttas like the um, uh, Kakachupama Sutta, the Simile of the Saw, Majjhima 21, is really about metta, how to develop metta. Yeah, this is one of the best suttas about that. And of course, there's the Metta Sutta in the Sutta Nipata, which is uh, you know a classic one as well. Uh, and uh, usually, and you have the Metta nisangsa Sutta, the benefits of metta practice, found in the Anguttara Nikaya 10 and 11. Tens and elevens, uh, so metta is what usually the sutas talk about because they, that is the most important part. Uh. So that is what you do, yeah. You you uh, have this memorable simile of the cow, so be a little bit like a cow sometimes, uh, and then <laughs> make sure that you just look very narrowly on those good qualities, uh, and then you uh, you're doing this particular practice, uh. and uh, so that is the. Meta part. Now the question arises, what happens if you cannot see any good qualities? What if someone is just full of bad qualities? Yeah. What do you do then? Then meta doesn't work. Then method number four comes into its own. How, friends, should resentment be removed towards a person whose bodily and verbal behavior are impure and who does not gain an opening of the mind, placidity of mind from time to time? Suppose a sick, afflicted, gravely ill person was traveling along a highway, and the last village behind them and the next village ahead of them were both far away. He would not obtain suitable food and medicine or a qualified attendant. He would not get to meet the leader of the village district." Another man traveling along the highway might see him, and arouse sheer compassion, sympathy, and tender concern for him, thinking, Oh, may this man obtain suitable food, suitable medicine, and a qualified attendant. May he get to meet the leader of the village district. For what reason is that this man does not encounter calamity and disaster right here? So too, when a person's bodily and verbal behavior are impure, and they do not gain from time to time an opening of the mind, placidity of mind, uh, on that occasion one should arouse sheer compassion, sympathy, and tender concern for them, thinking, Oh, may this venerable one abandon bodily misbehavior and develop good bodily behavior, May they abandon verbal misbehavior and develop good verbal behavior. Uh, May they abandon mental misbehavior and develop good mental behavior. For what reason? So with the breakup of the body after death, uh, they will not be reborn in the plane of misery, in a bad destination, in the lower world, in hell. In this way, resentment towards that person should be removed. So... uh, the uh, person who is full of bad qualities, uh, yeah, you should see them as a an ill person, as a sick person. Uh. Uh, they are they ha- they have a serious problem uh, and they are heading towards, as it says here, calamity and disaster. <laughs> I like that word, calamity. Yeah? This is a <laughs> kind of nice word. So you're heading towards calamity and disaster. This is according to Bodhis translation. Uh, and uh, yeah, so this is when you think about it. Yeah, if someone is full of bad qualities, uh, you know that they are heading towards suffering in a big way, not only in this life, but also in future lives. Uh, yeah, you know that they're kind of, th- this is going to end really badly for a person like that. Uh. And when you remember how badly someone is, b- you know, how the bad behavior is affecting them, uh, then compassion tends to arise almost automatically. Uh. Here is a person who wants to be happy. But instead of creating happiness for themselves, they are creating suffering for themselves. uh. This is kind of the tragedy of delusion. uh. The tragedy of delusion is that we think we are creating happiness for ourselves, when actually we are creating suffering for ourselves instead they're walking around in darkness and if you think uh, that you're going to try to help them to see clearly huh, yeah they don't they do not want to see clearly huh. they're just stubbornly carrying on with the same stupid behavior and you c- sometimes you just cannot help huh. yeah there's nothing you can really do huh. and that is so kind of can be very kind of frustrating until you realize that the only thing you can do is really to let go and then in the long run hopefully something will happen huh. so in this simile here that we see here uh, this is the ill person, is the one with all the bad qualities, yeah? And there is no suitable food or medicine or qualified attendant, uh, yeah? There is no Dhamma, there is nothing there to kind of guide you in the right way. Uh. Maybe you have been born in the wrong place or at the wrong time or in the wrong realm or who knows what, uh, and there's nothing there to guide you. Uh. Yeah, the suitable, m- the medicine here I would take to be the, the Dhamma, the teachings that actually show you the right way, uh and the leader of the village district, is probably the Buddha, yeah, the Buddha, you don't get to meet the Buddha, yeah, and uh, then uh, uh, there is a real problem, and when you see someone like that, that is when you kind of, you have, you give rise to the idea of compassion for that person, it's a very powerful way of thinking about people that you find difficult, and instead of Thinking about yourself is very easy in these situations to think about yourself. Why do I have to deal with people like this yeah it's very it 's natural and don 't feel bad about yourself if you think like that because it 's kind of natural that we are concerned about our own well being uh, everyone is that. Uh, so don't feel bad about yourself just because you are concerned about yourself. Uh, that's, it's okay, but it's far more powerful not to be self-concerned. If you have self-concern, what you do is you are kind of locking yourself into your own little world. Yeah? The world outside seems scary and it seems kind of... Uh, it seems... Um, alien and it seems, uh, you know, it it has always a threat towards you because of those negative qualities in other people. This is what selfishness does uh, and being within yourself and feeling oppressed by the world outside. uh. But compassion, if you turn it around and you feel compassion instead, suddenly your heart and your mind goes out into the world. The world doesn't seem scary anymore in the same way. You don't feel that threat from from the world around you because you know the problem is not really yours. The problem is in the other person. It's like you turn the table around instead of thinking about you. You look at the other person and you think about them in a wise way. It's a very, very powerful thing. This is very similar to what I was talking about the other day with the simile of the traffic light that goes red. People have these bad qualities uh, not because they want to have them but because they have been conditioned this way. Uh. They are red because they have been conditioned to be red. Uh. Other people are conditioned to be green. So they are green. Uh. And uh, you get that. Uh, because you get that, they are ill, they are deluded, they are trapped in this kind of realm. Uh. Yeah, it, What a terrible thing to be trapped uh, in all these negative qualities. Uh. It's very hard. Yeah, Then you can start to have compassion for this person. Uh. So very... Uh, very useful in this particular way to to deal with people who are often very, very hard to deal with otherwise. Uh, So this is uh, when there's no other way out, uh, you use compassion in this way. Uh, And one little point I want to make before I uh, stop is that uh, uh, it is important to remember that when we see people who have all bad qualities, uh, uh, it's important to keep in mind that it is not necessarily the case that that person actually has those qualities. Uh, Very often it is our perception. We perceive them as having good qualities. Other people might disagree, they might actually see good qualities in that person. Uh, So one of the important things that we need to do is to uh, remember the shortcomings of our own perceptions. Uh, Yeah. Okay, now I see them in this way, but maybe down the track I will see them differently. so never, be, so be flexible with your perceptions. Uh, don't uh, be too sure about them. Uh, yeah? In fact, be quite sure that they are uncertain and that they will change. Uh, and that is actually quite nice because what it does, instead of locking that person into that bad perception uh, and trapping them in a certain way, yeah, if you perceive someone as bad, uh, other people will tend to feel that uh, and then they will feel like they are trapped in that perception. There's no way of getting out of it. Uh. Yeah, you know how some, some people judge you, and you are judged once and for all, and there's no way of getting out of that. Uh, that's really unfair. We're not really giving people a chance to change uh, and to become someone else. Uh, so be flexible. Uh, see the person maybe changing. Yeah, Give them the opportunity to become someone else. Uh, don't trap them by judging them in a certain way. Give them the opportunity to escape from that judgment. Uh, this is a very compassionate and kind thing to do towards other people. Uh, so you don't have a once and for all judgment. Uh, instead, you have flexibility in your approach to other people. Uh. This is just one aspect of kindness among many, many other aspects. Uh. So just to keep that in mind as well, that these judgments are often uncertain. Uh. So that is the uh, the way. Let me, if, if it's okay with you, I'll finish off the sutta. I'll go to the last one as well. Uh. Because... Uh, um, Things always take more time than you than you think they will. Uh, that's often how these things go. So that is the compassion one. Yeah. Then we come to the very last one, and this is kind of an easy one. This is about the person who is a a saint, uh, and there the uh, uh, the reaction again is slightly different. Uh, so how friends should resentment be? removed towards the person whose bodily and verbal behavior are pure, and who from time to time gains an opening of the mind placidity of mind. Suppose there were a pond with clear, sweet, cool water, clean, with smooth banks, and a delightful place, shaded by various trees. Then a man might arrive afflicted and oppressed by the heat, weary, thirsty, and parched, having plunged into the pond, they would bathe and drink, and then, after coming out, uh, would sit or lie down in the shade of a tree right there. So, too, when a person's bodily and verbal behavior are pure, and from time to time they gain an opening of the mind, placidity of the mind, uh, on that occasion one should attend to that Pure bodily behaviour to the pure verbal behaviour and to the opening of the mind, the placidity of mind that they gain from time to time in this way, resentment towards that person should be removed. so here we have the person with all good qualities, yeah, and despite the fact that someone has all good qualities, people still get upset with them. yeah, this is how it goes. And that's just unavoidable. This is just, uh, and very often, it's just our own perceptions that are unreliable and uncertain. Uh, but this time, it's really easy to overcome that heat of the anger. Yeah, there's no algae, there's no water plants on that pond. The pond is just a pure, delightful pond. Not only is it delightful; it is, as it says here, the water is clear, sweet, cool, clean. Yeah, it has all these. Uh, Beautiful qualities, and when you dive into that pond, uh, you drink up that water, uh, then of course you feel really uh, good and feel really relaxed afterwards. It's very easy to overcome anger towards someone who has all good qualities. uh, Yeah, It doesn't take that much. uh, And this is important. It's very important that we are careful in our observations of other people. uh, if you have it, come, get angry with someone who is very pure. Yeah, has a lot of good qualities. Uh, it is, an, it is, um, it can be quite destructive. Uh, yeah, it is not really a good idea. So be careful with that. Uh, if someone has good qualities, uh, then uh, it's important to remember these things because sometimes, even though someone is a very good person, there may be personality differences that makes it hard for us to kind of be close friends or whatever yeah so then you have to be careful with how you use your mind in that kind of situation getting angry with and shouting at the buddha is probably not such a good idea and yet people did that in the suttas so uh, you then look at those good qualities yeah and the interesting thing here the difference is that afterwards uh, after bathing and drinking that water you don't leave you hang around yeah you stay around you lie down in the shade of a tree you lie down in the shade of that person yeah you kind of hang around so you get the good feelings of being around this person afterwards uh, and this is what you see when you see some of these uh you know modern saints like as i was talking about before uh, people just sit there they just sit around him yeah he sits there and he has a nice smile on his face and everyone sits in front of him and they kind of bathe, yeah, like bathe in the kind of aura of Ajahn his smile and his kindness, yeah, and it's kind of, it's very sweet. Of course, we shouldn't overdo that in the end. You are responsible for your own practice, uh, but for a short time it can be nice to do that. You get this feeling of something greater in this world when you do that. uh. And it's very, you know, he sits there and he smiles and he throws out, he has this big bowl of sweets and he throws out on the audience, yeah, and it's it's nice because the sweets symbolize the sweetness of his character in a sense. Yeah, You remember that and you kind of get the sweets and everyone scurries around to kind of grab hold of the sweets. Yeah, Then yeah? <laughs> you take those sweets with you wherever you go in the world, back to Australia, whatever it is that you go, you take them with you. And it is a reminder of, of uh, Ajahn Ganha. So then he sits there and he kind of has this these boxes he has about four monks attending on him all the time yeah one is kind of massages him one is a translator one is just on standby one is there to kind of bring all the drinks and things out yeah there's always lots of people around everybody loves to be with someone like that And then he has this boxes of all kind of things: yeah, cheese and and chocolate and uh, and drinks. Yeah, so he sits there and he kind of throws things out to the audience. Yeah, so you have to catch the little drinks coming out. Uh, and if you don't catch them, they hit you in the head sometimes. Yeah, that's okay because as a yeah, it doesn't matter if it hits. So just be uh, careful with your eyes. That's all. But uh, <laughs> this is how how it is to be there. It's kind of this continuous kind of barrage of things being thrown out to people, and you you know. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's really nice. And then you, there's a little bit of dhamma occasionally if you're lucky here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's almost like a, it's the action that matters. It's how to live, yeah, how to kind of deal with things in the right way. It's kind of showing you how to live with kindness, just by being very super friendly and uh, you know and sort of uh, you know doing all of these things, these little acts of kindness all the time. Uh. And then he does also teach, yeah. But the teaching is often very simple. Uh. Teaching is like, yeah, be kind. Uh, yeah, speak to people in a nice way. When I was there he talked a lot to the lay people about talking. Speech has been very powerful. Uh, so use that speech in good ways to be kind to people, yeah? And this is uh, how he often talks. Simple Dhamma. The more th- one of the ways of gauging how advanced someone is in the practice uh, is to see how simple their teachings are here. Uh, if they're really simple, maybe in our hand, yeah. If they're really complex, if anyone talks about dependent origination, uh, it's usually a bad sign. <laughs> 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 then you can kind of reduce kind of things down a little bit. Uh <laughs> It's almost a bit like that, yeah it's very interesting. the arahants the real big teachers in the world, they often give very simple teachings because that's what we really need. We need the simple stuff that is where we make progress uh, too much intellectualization it can take away from that hard quality, and that is uh, is always uh, can be very can be problematic yeah. so this is the uh, uh, the, the saint, yeah, and then you often just sit down in the shade of that tree, and if it is the Buddha or someone else, and you really see the good qualities, uh, then you you know you become a disciple of that person, yeah, and then you also eventually practice accordingly. Yeah? And at the very end here, he then says, because of that, he says, friends, uh, by means of a person who inspires confidence in every way, the mind gains confidence, yeah. You see the Arahants of the world or other people who are of similar quality, that is when you feel inspired, you feel confidence, uh, because you know that there's something very powerful going on there. Uh, the Pali word is Samantha Pasadika, which is a, uh, the name of the pa- commentary of the, of the monastic vineyard. These, friends, are the five ways of removing resentment uh, by means of which a bhikkhu, a monk, a bhikkhuni, a layman, a laywoman, uh, can entirely remove resentment towards whomever it has arisen. Uh, Okay, so there you are. That is the uh, sutta uh, for this morning. So uh, uh, let's just uh, carry on, keep on enjoying yourself, have a nice lunch, and we'll see you back again at 2 o'clock.